Uh, if you uh, are with us uh, for the first time or joined us just a couple weeks in, we uh, have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus is uh, addressing his people. And this is uh, really the beginning of his ministry, and he's laying down the foundation for what it is to be the people of God, how he will be ushering in this new kingdom, what that kingdom's like, what those participants in the kingdom are to be. And so we began uh, this, uh, this uh, Sermon on the Mount by looking at the very far s- first part of it, where Jesus uh, says the way of the blessed, the Beatitudes, the attitudes that you're to have within you to live a life of blessing, to be pleasing uh, you, to yourself, but more importantly, to be pleasing to God. And in chapter 5, verse 2 of Matthew, it says, And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, I've been preparing these messages for a while now. We've spent, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight weeks in the Beatitudes. I've got books after books that are this thick. Jesus said this all in, you know, 30 seconds. But the truth of these Beatitudes are profound and are worth a a lifetime of examination. As we talked about these Beatitudes, we reflected on some stories that helped illustrate, if you remember that. As we talked about the, the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we told a story about Jacob. Do you remember that? And Jacob, who was this proud uh, swindler, <laughs> this cheat, uh, how he was transformed by, by a relationship or, or coming in contact with the Spirit of God. And doing so, it totally revo- revolutionized who he was. And remember, as he uh, wrestles with this mysterious uh, person, this this the Spirit of God. He touches him on the hip. Do you remember that? And so from now on, Jacob walks with a limp. And that was to be a, a way to remember that as we walk, we walk with a limp because there is a holy God, a powerful God, and we just are limping along and we rely upon him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We, we talked about... Uh, the, a servant girl. Do you remember that? We talked about this servant girl and how she had mercy on her captor, on, on the one who enslaved her and the one who even is responsible for her parents' death. But she had mercy on him. She relieved the misery from him. We learned about the, the woman at the well and how the woman at the well, uh, she was looking for love and she was looking for love in all the and in, do- 
And in doing so, she was lost because she failed to recognize the spiritual need that she had. And the only satisfaction was if she were to hunger and thirst after righteousness, after Jesus. And Jesus promised to be for her living water that overflowed out into eternity. So come and hunger and thirst after the one who gives freely to those who will depend on him. So now this is the attitude that we are to walk in. Remember we talked about the, the kind of the sentinel at the, the bottom of, the, uh, uh, the, bottom of the, the valley of Kidron. And as the, the pilgrims would walk up to come and worship in Jerusalem, he would sing this song again and again. Who has a clean heart? Who has, who has a pure heart and clean hands? And this is the way of the people of God. If we are going to see God, we must have a clean, hand, clean hands and a, and a pure heart. So if you haven't been with us, we have been saturated. We've been soaking in this. And, and along the way, our hearts are so worn out because we see how we fail to do those things, right? Like, oh, gosh. But then we're also relieved because the Spirit of God is working in us. And he's doing these things in us. So as Jesus is teaching these things to his disciples, there are others who are in the crowd and are, are, are listening. This, they are hearing the, the message of Jesus. And you have the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are, who are the great religious leaders of the day, the scribes and, and, and all the, the priests and all the religious people. And, and their understanding, and still even to Judaism today, the point of Judaism is to have a, the right kind of acting, like to do the right things. But Jesus is saying, you can have the right actions, but have the wrong attitude. And even if you have the right actions and the wrong attitude, they're not worth anything. And today he's, he's now going to, to begin to, to turn the tables and say, not only must you have the right attitude, not only should your life exhibit these things, but these truths are for the world. They are so that the kingdom of God might be ushered through you into the people around you. And so the people of God should be those who are salt and light. Verse 13 is where we start today. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salt, its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, you are the light of the world city on a hill can't be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand that gives light to all those in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven today as we, we go through these passages we're going to look at several things one is we're going to see that the kind of kingdom that Jesus is talking about is not just a personal religion, a private religion. We're going to see that, that salt perver, uh, preserves and flavors. We're going to learn about darkness and light. 
and the fact that uh, that darkness has to be overcome and that the people of God are meant to be salt, meant to be light. It's who we are. These passages have been taken throughout church history and are reasons that the, the people have gone away and secluded themselves in order to live like this because they are focusing on this as applied to them. And truly, this is part of the reality of this. There has to be a change from the inside. But this is meant, the, the words of Christ are meant for the kingdom to go out into the world and to have its effect. The, uh, the Beatitudes, are, Beatitudes are meant for us to discover who to be. And now Jesus is saying, this is what you must be. That you must be out in the world. And this has effect on the world, these words I give you today. Salt, salt preserves, that's the nature of salt. It, it keeps that which is good, good. It keeps away from the putrefaction and the breakdown that happens in meat and, and makes it last longer. And it also adds flavor, especially that pink Himalayan salt. I don't know if it tastes anything different, but it looks pretty cool. So the people of God who are living out the Beatitudes, who are filled with the Spirit of God, should be a blessing to the world around them. We should preserve that which is good, and we should bring delight to those who know us. That's kind of anticipated in the, in, the previous, uh, in the previous beatitude, where he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The un- understanding is that as you take the, this holiness that God is now creating in us, and you put it out in the world, you're going to have one or uh, two consequences. And Casey talked about this last week, and, and he was taking it from John Piper, that, that as the, the, the truth goes out, there will be a response. Either people reject it and fight against it, or they will be convicted of their sins, and they will listen to what you have to say. And so as a people of God, we can't be secluded, but we must take the, the kingdom of God into the world around us. In the 16, 1600s, there was a great revival there was, uh, uh, there was in large part due to a pastor uh, whose na- last name was Baxter in Kidderminster uh, in Wor- Worcestershire, England. Worcestershire. That's right. I said it right. There's, a lots, of, there's lots of consonances in that one. And, and, and Baxter preached these beatitudes, preached this good news, and the, the people were transformed. Not just in his congregation, but the whole city was transformed, and there was a great revival that happened. You look at the first and, and second, uh, uh, the, the first and second great revivals that happened here in England and in, in the United States. There was redounding effects as the gospel went forward and changed lives. You know, this, this message about salt and light, I actually preached this 20 years ago. This was the uh, first message that we had. Do you remember this, Richard? Yeah. This, he was my sound man back then. 
So we're selling MP3 versions of this. It's kind of like the signed copies are worth uh, actually less than the uh, actual. But the reason that was the text for the beginning of, at that time it was House of Worship, and we met on a Saturday night in the housing projects. Is an extension of, of Mission Brenham and, and the work of Faith Mission and caring for the people in those communities and bringing light into those dark places. And so on Saturday nights we would meet because the kingdom of God has effects on the world around us. It, it was so beautiful. It's, we, would have, I remember, we would have Christmas, uh, Christmas stroll there in the housing projects. And we would have a, a little choir. I think, I think we were on the roof at one point. I don't think that was probably a good idea. Uh, and we have Mary and Joseph, and we would have, uh, we would have shepherds, the whole thing. And they would be folks from uh, the church and from the neighborhood and all mixed together. And I think we got in a little trouble because we, we had a black and white Mary and Joseph one time, but uh, we got past the, we didn't get arrested or anything. And, and the community was called into that place to walk around where people don't normally walk, right, in the housing projects at night. And get to spend time hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, that's, that's light in dark places. And that becomes who we are. And that is who we are to be as the people of God here at Redeemer. Because the light of the gospel shines brightly in darkness. We live in a dark world. Our world thinks that it's enlightened. I mean, since the 15th century, we thought we were enlightened, like we knew things. And surely that was a, a flowering of thought and reasoning, understanding. But just because there's a flowering of thought and it doesn't mean you know anything. And so the world thinks through things in a way that's different than you and me. And in fact, as people come to these services, I've been talking to some lately who are not church people. They don't much have much of a church background. And they've told me, I don't understand what y'all are talking about. I don't understand what you're talking about. It's because we're so, they're so used to the, the way of the world. You and I think this is all normal stuff. And like, we get excited when you open the word of God. We're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, give me more of that. You know, you're watching, you listen to podcasts and, and watching videos and, 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 and studying on your own because this brings hope and light to your life. But not so the world. Think about, think about communism. You know, actually communism, I'm going to hear some groans, is a good idea. Well, communism is a good idea because it says that, that people should work together in unity, so that everyone has something. No one's greater than each other. And as you work together, then you'll have a, a peaceable, happy society. That sounds great. The problem is, nobody's actually like that. Right? So what happens in communism is someone gets in power and they lord it over other people, the thing that they were trying to fight against. Right? So although it's a great idea, it's based on the wrong principle. It fails to realize that you and I are sinners. And we won't do what is right. Good reasoning, bad foundation. 
See, because they are living, we live in a dark world with dark thinking. Not only are we dark in our thinking, but even when we do or we're thinking rightly, the lost in this world have dark actions. They know what they should do. Communism is a great picture. You know what you ought to do, but you do it? No. It doesn't work. We can't help ourselves. You know, it's, I have people come to me and say, hey, um, I'm having some real problems. Can you, can you give me some counsel? And, and they're not Christians. So I'm having problems in my marriage. Um, I'm having problems with my finances. I'm having problems with my at work. I mean, I have to be honest with them. Like, I got to tell you, it, it's pretty simple to counsel in those regards. Like, you are really messed up. Uh, you don't even know how bad it is. And uh, I don't have I don't know much that can help you. Like, I don't have a lot of, like, shortcuts for you. <laughs> like, the foundational problem is you are in need of a Savior who will live in your life and transform you and tra transform your marriage. I, I can give you some good ideas for your marriage, but they're going to fail because you have no power. You have no covenant. You don't know what that is. I don't think I, they like me very much when I say all those things, but. But that is the hope. And there are some who listen to that and go, I'm not quite desperate enough yet. And there are some who become too desperate and say, okay, I've got to have Jesus. And that's our hope. As uh, Patrick led, uh, read earlier that God has now called us to be a holy nation, a chosen race, a people like none other. A people who are priests to the world. We are those who are interceding on the behalf of each other and in this world. As we, we pray for the brokenness that's in our world. We have, a, this is our, we have a place here, church, to be salt and light. To keep that which is good and to prevent deterioration. Uh, some years ago, I'm dating myself here, but uh, do you remember George... Bush, President George Bush Sr., uh, in his, uh, as he received the nomination for the Republican, uh, uh, to be the Republican candidate for president, he talked about a thousand points of light. You remember that? A thousand points of light. And then when he was inaugurated as president, he talked about a thousand points of light. This, this, this light he was calling upon those volunteer organizations, people with goodwill, for them to, to stand up and to be those thousand points of light in a broad and peaceful sky, he said. Keep America moving forward, always forward for a better America, for an endless, enduring dream and a thousand points of light. He, he, he got that from uh, several, probably several different uh, uh, pieces of literature, but if you want to know what's the best way to be a point of light, it's to be a follower after Jesus Christ. That's what we need. And so, George Bush fans, did it work? Were we at 1,000 points of light, all these volunteer organizations? No. I want to tell you, communism doesn't work. Capital democracy doesn't work. You know what works? The kingdom of God. That's what works. That is the powerful change agent we need in the world.
We must live out these beatitudes because they have effect in the world around us. We're called to be salt and light. Salt that preserves the good, it's flavorful, useful. The darkness that dispels the darkness, provides uh, direction so that people can see and know what the truth is. You ever been someplace dark? I mean dark, dark. I'm not talking about like the streets of Brenham, like where you can't see your hand in front of your face. That's scary, isn't it? You, you, Carlsbad Caverns, yeah, Carlsbad. Like uh, you, you fumble in the dark, right? You're afraid to even move because you don't know what's going on around you. It's as if it sucks something out of you. But Jesus, in John 8, 12, uh, 8, 12, he says that he came as the light of the world. And we are to be that chosen race, that holy nation that calls others out of darkness and into the marvelous light. So Jesus, in, in these few words, says that what happens if salt loses its saltiness? What happens if a light is covered? Now, when he says these things, you know, you, you want to stop and think, and we could have this discussion later, can salt lose its saltiness? Well, actually, it can't, in its purest form, lose its saltiness. If it's mixed with something, maybe so. But the point of this is, if you got salt, it's going to be salt. It's innate. It's part of what it is. People of God, what is the expectation for you and me? If we are people of God, if we truly are people of God, we will be salt. If He then says, if you have light, do you put a basket over it so no one can see it? No. Why would you have the light in the first place? The light is meant to dispel the darkness, to shine out. People of God, if you are a child of God, then you will shine. So how do we do that? What does it mean for us to look like salt and light in this place? I want to tell you that we've been out at it a little while, you know. Uh, as the people of God in this room, we've been at it a little while. There are things that we are doing in our lives that are meant to be salt and light, whether, whether it's a job training program, whether it's an after-school program, whether it's inviting neighbors into our lives and loving on them, whether it's being different at work than your neighbors, the, to the other employees, whether you sometimes lose out on profit because you're going to do what is good. We, we've already been that kind of light, and we need to continue to be that light and to see our community in the brokenness and say, how might I be a part, uh, a change agent in what God is doing? My concern is that our identity may have gotten mixed up with some other things. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget whose you are. There's a, um, uh, there's a man who was on, on a plane. I was, I was watching a video about him, and he sat next to this lady, and, and uh, he was reading through his books, and she said, uh, what, where are you coming from? And he said, I, I just came from a conference. Oh. He said it was a, a business conference. Oh, what kind of business are you in? <laughs> he was a pastor. He said, well, 
the organization I work for um, actually uh, is the leader in healthcare. It's built more hospitals than any other organization or company in the world. She said, oh, wow. So we're also uh, in adoption. Uh, we have uh, cared for more orphans, built more schools, and adopted uh, organizations, been responsible for adopting more children than any other thing in all the world. She said, no, that's pretty impressive. Actually, we also are the leaders in feeding and clothing the poor. We have locations in every city in the United States and a lot around the world. We've done counseling, job training, leader in business and business eth ethics. In fact, our organization's policies and procedures manual was used as the foundation for the entire legal system. She said, what company do you work for? He says, I work for the church. That should be us. We now have new minds and a new heart. And we should live as the people of God. Now, as, as you, I have an assignment for you this week. As you sit down at the kitchen table and you see that salt shaker sitting right there, I want that to be the Holy Spirit convicting you right on the table. And I want you to ask the question, am I being salt? This, today, this is at dinner, you'd look at it, and I want you to say, today, have I brought any good flavor? Have I spoken the truth? Now, when you go to bed at night and uh, you flick off the light, I want you to ask that same question. Have I been light today? And so those basic things, and I, I love how Jesus uses the most simple things to remind us on a daily basis. Am I living out this kingdom work in my work, in my home, at school, in this household? Am I living out these beatitudes? Am I giving glory to God? Am I giving glory to God? My fear, brothers and sisters, is that we would in some way be tempted to, to put a cover over the things that God has been doing in our life and, and just not give God glory for it. You need to pull that back. Don't be embarrassed. I mean, because you're only good because Jesus made you good, right? So speak the truth. Live the truth. Let us be the people of God. God salt, preserving that which is good, and then dispelling the darkness.